Hi, welcome to episode number 132 of the Applog Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Before we get started with the spots, I'm going to let you know that I am doing a Ride to Conquer Cancer. It's a 200-kilometer bicycle ride. It's for charity. It is for raising awareness to find the cure for cancer. If you want to pledge, please do, because I have a $2,500 quota to make, and I'm at $220, and the ride is coming up on six weeks away. So I'm really hampering down, hunkering down now to try and get some some pledges on this. You can go to apolog.ca and click on the Ride to Conquer Cancer banner at the top right side. Please tell a friend. Please let everybody know. This is very important for me, and it's very important for everybody. Everybody I know knows somebody with cancer, and let's try to beat it. Let's try to conquer it. Okay, this episode is brought to you in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash apologue. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, and or MP3 player. So to download a free audiobook and a three, get a 30-day free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash apologue. I want to let you know about my Amazon affiliate program. If you're from Canada, go to applelog.ca slash Amazon, and you will go magically be transported over to Amazon. You can shop there with that link. If you're from anywhere else in the world, i.e. United States or United Kingdom, has to have United in there somewhere, but not the Emirates. That's it. That's what I'm going to do. Go to Apolog.ca and click on those banners, on those links on the right side. Locate your country, Canada, USA, or UK. Bookmark the link banners, and that goes for Apolog.ca slash Amazon. Bookmark that link. And every time you shop, you will be supporting the show. It will cost you no extra money, and it really does help me out. Actually, it's kind of on fire this month. Like, I don't know what you're, I don't know who's buying what, but somebody bought um, a, a, one of those Nintendo Switch games. I don't know who that is, but uh, if you could show me who that is, I'll, I'll send you a, a present. So, applelog.ca slash Amazon, if you're from Canada. I want to let you know about my Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with my hosting and gas fees. You can cancel at any time. I have patrons, and they are awesome. I really appreciate their support, and I really appreciate you going there and checking that out. Whew. Insight Recorders is a place to get online mixing. You can send your recorded album to Insight and will be mixed and mastered to add a professional touch to your recording. There's tons of other services available, like I've started a 3D printing service or shop, I guess. It's sort of a subsidiary of the InsightRecorders.com, and it is InsightRecorders.com slash 3D prints. That's number three, letter D, prints. You can get yourself a 3D printed picture of yourself and your loved one. Uh, there's some other things there, like signage. Uh, it's a new thing I'm starting, and we'll see if anybody's interested in doing it. If not, if they are, then I'll start. It's, it'll start its own website, and we'll go from there. Uh, it's also a recording studio, is Insert Recorders. That's what it started off as. And you can book time for this summer by going to insightrecorders.com slash contact. Let me know what you want to do. Let's make a record. Go to applelog.ca slash shop to buy a t-shirt and buy the Foursquare discography. That's my old band for 20 bucks. Don't forget to go to iTunes to rate and review the show. Subscribe. Give it some stars. Like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash applelogpod. And follow me on Twitter at simonhead666. And that's all the spots. Ta-da! Today on the show, I have an old friend and an old associate in the music business. His name's Joa Carvello. He is a mastering and recording engineer. He got his start kind of around the same, in the same venue, but maybe five or six years before me, um, 
but I, we worked out of the same recording studio. I worked a little bit out of it, but he worked exclusively out of it called Umbrella Sound with a guy named Jamie Stanley, who was the owner. And uh, we talked a little bit about the history, about what he's doing, what he's done. And, you know, we talked about the music business. That's what this podcast is all about. Everybody, here's my friend, Joe Carvello on the Apologue Podcast. My gosh. Um, You've got no clothes on and you're switching all your stuff I'm off. I'm switching okay. all my stuff off. I don't want any contact with the outside world. I'm with you. You know, so many people have called you Joa and I call you Joa. And it doesn't look like that when you, when you look at the spelling. How do you really pronounce your first name? Because everybody calls you Joa. Well, well cor- correct pronunciation, proper pronunciation in, in Portuguese. Yeah. Anyways, is João. Yeah. Ju like French for game. Yeah. And on like on, but minus the N, I guess. So Ju on. And um yeah, it, it sort of it, but it Joa came about because when I when my family first emigrated here uh to Canada um from Portugal, uh the everybody was just, you know, I, I didn't speak a word of English. I guess I was three years old, so people were asking me my, my name and I would say Juan. Juan and and not knowing that Juan is John when you kind of go into the into North America and um, so then instead of saying John I said Juan and so people kind of were like oh Joe 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 and so it just sort of Joe's just became a nickname and so it is just more but everybody or you know ninety percent of the world calls me Joe so everybody knows me as that so yeah. So yeah, interesting cuz Yeah, cuz I was always trying to like figure out how to spell it and then I'm always looking at your Facebook f- and going, "No, okay, cuz it's not it's it yeah, it's not doesn't look like Noah, but it is Joe." Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah, the bastardized version of it is is Joe. The the but what makes the uh, Juan is the is the accent over the a that turns and and uh, o sound into an all sound. So mm. again, uh, you're less than in Portuguese here. To, yeah, today. Canadians, we just understand the accent a goo, and then the uh, the other accent, the uh, one with the yes, the little TP on top. The left, <laughs> one pointing left or one one pointing right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been uh, you've been the 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 people the people trust you to to master and to take their babies and make it into something that's you know in a form that people can purchase um you're a mastering engineer that's your you also a recording engineer and you're also a producer but people know you as being the mastering guy and you've always been the mastering guy in toronto that that i know of and uh you started off at umbrella right with is that where you started yeah i think that's probably where we would have First done stuff, right? Like That's way, right. Way back when. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, because uh, we yeah. met uh, through James, James Stanley, James Stanley. Yeah, yeah. 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 a memory. Yeah. 
but um, good moment. Thank you. I remember because very one of the early recordings I ever did was one on Dagmar Avenue, and uh, on that yeah. studio. And I remember telling my parents where the studio was, and my parents said, "When we first moved to Canada, we lived on Dagmar Avenue, and they were like three doors down oh. from that studio." Incredible! That is so awesome. Isn't wow. that neat? Yeah. That, that little street has had that same story with so many people. It's crazy. Yeah. That tiny little, many houses are on that street. 20 houses, 30 houses, maybe. Yeah. It's so tiny. And it's, it, yeah, it, it's drawn a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Good times. Yeah. And so you've, you've been doing this your whole life, right? You've been recording engineering and, and like, what, what, did you play music first? Like how, how did you get started off? I and all that? It, yeah. Originally, it started as, uh, you know, I, I played in a band. I, I started my first band with um, Gordy Johnson of, of Big Sugar fame, like the Canadian band, uh, Big Sugar. And um, he, we, we were neighbors or, you know, lived a few houses down from each other. And so um, we started our first band in grade six. We were just listening to, you know, the Sex Pistols or Rush or Led Zeppelin or whatever it was at the time and um and then uh yeah sort of started started from there played in, through high school and into into you know early 20s and bands and then when when we moved here my band moved here uh to toronto about uh, almost 30 years ago now which is crazy mm-hmm. um and the uh, you know, we just you had to move to Toronto to make it, and so that's what that's what we ended up doing. And um, I remember going to Umbrella Umbrella Sound with with Jamie because um, a, a, a band that we were touring with, playing with uh, the Plasticine Replicas at the time, they just finished recording with Jamie, and they said, "Yeah, you got to got to go to the studio." So that was sort of my real f- first. Um, experience with kind of being hands-on and just kind of really listening to stuff and i we've been in studios before but this is where jamie was actually kind of explaining the process and kind of teaching me stuff and so i i just found myself just more and more gravitating towards towards um the the the, the engineering side of things as opposed to the performance side of things it just it was just like this real gradual shift and and one day jamie just called me up and he he was in a mad panic he had to go to kingston to do something for his parents or something and he had a session he's like joe i, I showed you the stuff you can do you can do the session and i was like oh, oh my lord what do i do here you know i had no idea what what to really do like how to sort of run a session but but uh, so yeah he just threw me into it and there it was i i, I got the bug i from that point on it was just like wow couldn't go back yeah um so yeah it was it was it was a gradual morph into into the from playing and playing in bass into being more interested in engineering and and production Mm -hmm. all that good stuff now was it sort of to keep close to music because my my foray into engineering was to sort of try to stay close to music it's like a trade of sorts you know so i can still make music I don't need to worry about working at a variety store. I'll make the same amount of money, you know, engineering, you know, doing something, you know, than I would, you know, being minimum wage and not. It's funny, but similar. I mean, Jamie never called me about, but he, that was the first studio I ever actually did like my own session in too as well, you know? So, and he was really always very gracious, you know, uh, 
he recorded an album for us and I didn't, I wanted to mix it and he goes, Oh, just come on down, come on down and see what you can do. And he let me use the place. And it was, you know, it, it was, he's definitely one that fostered the, uh, the love of, of engineering. Cause you could tell he, he, he loves, he loves doing what he's doing unless he's out of it now. <laughs> well, he, he is very out of it now. He, yeah. he and his wife, Julie, they, they live on their boat <laughs> and, and just do nothing but yeah. sail up and down the East coast of North America. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So they're, they're enjoying life. Definitely. Um, uh, his wife, Julie, uh, she, she was, is still an actor. Um, but she, she kind of did really quite well for herself. And so they, but then they kind of just thought, Hey, let's, let's just enjoy enjoy life. And they sold a couple of properties and, and now they're enjoying themselves. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but it's so interesting that you say that because I, I think about Jamie so often cause I so seldom see him and, um, and it would be really amazing to sort of throw a, a, a good old bash for, for Jamie because he's, he, he did that exact same thing that he did to you. He, he fostered so many, um, um, just people blossoming into, into, into engineering or, or making records on their own. And like, he, he really, really encouraged a lot of people. It's amazing. I, I was so lucky. I, I mean, I was definitely at the right place at the right time. We became partners at the studio. The two of us, you know, owned umbrella for a bunch of years and mm-hmm. until I decided to go off and do the mastering thing on my own. But uh, yeah, he, Jamie was, was big time. The start of it for me, such a great guy. He was definitely very, um, good ethics and that's sort of when you're an indie band or a punk rock band you really enjoy the fact that okay this person's being a normal person and and in the days of the late 80s early 90s recording studios weren't necessarily fun places to hang out if you were broke you know like and and he definitely was one of the early um i guess you both were at that point you were you were early sort of brought in people on a sort of a budget gave them a good deal, gave them a great recording. And then people walked out the door and told everybody. And that's sort of my business model after that, as I took, you know what I mean? What James taught me and mm-hmm. said, well, you just be fair. Don't be a dick and people will come, you know, and they'll give you a benefit of the doubt a lot of the time. Right. Yeah. It was, it was just that it was building up relationships one at a time. And, and just really, I think it was because we, we were also, I mean, he taught me this stuff too, but, but we, we were so, into everything that we did like we just it was like 110 percent at all times it just felt and that that's the mem- you know memory i have it's just we were just breathing it in like that's all we did you know i lived there i lived at the studio yeah. we both lived at the studio we lived on the main floor i lived in the attic and <laughs> uh and it was it was crazy it was just like it was it was full-on all the time i remember when till- when, when it was like James lived there when I first started going there, then he finally moved out and then the attic became the mastering suite. And didn't you have to take a ladder to get up to the, is there a ladder or something? Yeah, well, the, the, well, the ladder was to get up into my, to get into my bedroom. Okay. So that was, that was, yeah, it was, it was kind of, uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty funny to get up there. Um, but yeah, the, the, so the, the mastering room became the upstairs like where the bedrooms used to be and then we kind of turned the attic into my bedroom <laughs> and uh, yeah so basically i would just roll out of bed and start 
working. It was pretty crazy. It was pretty <laughs> awesome. That's great time. Yeah. And so then you both moved cool. down to that place off Eastern. I remember that. And that was, yeah. Yeah. what year was that? On Logan. Yeah. Logan, just south. Um, yeah, right by Tattoo, right by the, the Hells Angels spot there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Always that was pretty pretty funny whenever you know we'd just be taking a break or you know standing outside smoking with with the bands or whatever and and uh the hell's angels guys would just be walking you know gingerly just walking their dogs saying, hey, good, good evening sir how are you today you know um <laughs> everything's fine in the neighborhood everything's fine in the neighborhood you're protected yeah so, <laughs> it was pretty funny yeah um no crime going on around that place yeah, it was probably the safest place in Toronto yeah. at the time. Until the SWAT team went in, man, you should have seen that go down. Oh my lord, that was crazy. Yeah, when they when the, when the SWAT van comes barreling around the corner and twenty guys with machine guns running at the at the building it was pretty pretty crazy. There was but, a uh, there was a place right next door to the house, the Hell's Angels place. I think it was a gay bar and it was for sale and I was on the, I was looking for a house to purchase and I needed a, a living space that I could work in. And we ended up, we bought our house sort of up further north of there. But I remember talking to the real estate agent who was also, you know, he's, he's, he's telling me like, now listen, it's, it used to be a gay bar. And if you have a problem with that, then there's no problem because the hell's angels are right next door. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. Right. Okay. Awesome. I think I'll keep looking. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It was such a great book. I love it. And I mean, I'm still in that boat. I'm just like, not even a kilometer down the road. And it's such a, such a great spot. Yeah, I love Leslieville. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you've gone from, you know, doing independent small records over 20, 25 years. Now you've expanded this into this, amazingly a great recording and mastering space and it's funny how many you know if you look on all the records released you know from if you're into indie rock or into punk rock your name's usually on the back of it so it's a it's a that's a pretty good feat you know you mastered an album for me <laughs> i am a lucky lucky dude it's i i just i count my lucky stars every day so fortunate to get to do this and work on a different record every day. It's just, it's, it still boggles my mind that this happens. Do you, That's um, do you do a lot of mail in stuff or do you like where people send you in like over email, like electronically send you albums? Is like, oh, yeah. is that your new? The vast majority of these days are people sending me files. So I, I, yeah, I get, uh, you know, the, the files show up. I, I, Generally, you usually have a little bit of a, of a either a talk or an email conversation, just sort of see see what they're kind of looking for. But it's kind of fun. Most people just, I'd say, ninety percent of the time, it's just, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Just do what you do. And I'm like, okay, I'll just do what I do. And so, so it's 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 pretty crazy. It's it's kind of as simple as that. Um, yeah. Well, I've seen I've seen you work. I you know because I you mastered two records for us. Actually, I remember that now. You mastered our first album when we came to you with like a it was on like a twenty four bit uh, digital tape, and we had to rent like a special converter to do it. This uh, because it was mixed by Dave Ogilvie out in 
in Vancouver and we brought it back and we we needed to rent the piece of gear and now the second time we I brought you just computer files and it was like much easier I remember that but why I watched how you did it and that's kind of how I do it now it's like watching how you bring it in and I don't know who taught you that one but to put it in the timeline you know you put your songs in order and pro you still use pro tools no, I, I, um, I've used a, a system called Sequoia. Okay. It's kind of, it's, I mean, most of the, the DAWs are similar the way they work. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sequoia actually is a little bit different. I, I love the program. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely different than Pro Tools, but you know, in the same world, I mean, it just depends on, on what, how you like working. Did you leave Pro Tools out of anger or did you, uh, did you just, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I, I definitely, as the company kept evolving, I mean, funny enough, talking about Jamie and Umbrella, we were actually the first um, place in in Canada, at least that's what Steve's told us, Steve's music, to actually take on Pro Tools. So we were the first studio to actually bite into it. Interesting. And so I've been, um, and that was in the basement of, of Umbrella, like on Dagmar Street, uh, where, where you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and man, was it crazy. It was brutal. So cumbersome, so slow. So, you know, you'd, you'd have to, I'd even, I had a system before that called session eight, which, um, before, before pro tools even. And, um, and yeah, it was pretty funny because when you'd had to, uh, if you wanted to audition an EQ, say like it was a digital EQ, you'd actually have to render it. So you'd kind of just guess at the EQ and then you go, okay, yeah, I want two dB of of eight K, and so you go, okay, now hit render. It would sit there, it would chug for you know fifteen seconds or so, <laughs> and then you listen to it and you go, mm, maybe a little bit more. Okay, undo, and then apply you know three dB of it, and then render again. It was crazy. It was so slow that way, but that's that's where it all started. That's how digital systems used to used to work. I remember seeing um, the first time I ever saw it was with Everett Ravenstein, who uh, was the engineer at Chalet, and he showed it to me in his basement of his house because I think he turned into a dealer for Digidesign. I think he was one of their one of their dealers of sorts. And uh, I'm like, what is it? And he goes, it's a four track recording system. <laughs> it's four tracks, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, it's really expensive. I'm like, oh, cool. This is going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Four tracks. I that was was it? Um, was that sound design? Maybe. I think it was sound was tools it? or something. It had a different. I think that's what it was. It was sound tools before it was Pro Tools, but it was sound tools. Then Session Eight came in. And that was an eight track version, and then Pro Tools came in, and Pro Tools was like a, a multi track, like you know, kind of unlimited tracks or whatever your capability was with with your with your processor. So. Um, yeah, but um, oh yeah, good good times on on those early days. I remember. Uh, I remember when I think Offspring were boasting the first Pro Tools recorded, like in, in its entirety. It was recorded in all Pro Tools, you know, and that was a big thing. That was a big thing. I mean, it changed the record industry. It changed everything for everybody, you know, like for people like me and 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 pros alike. You know, it was like it was a big move when I went from what was clunky old ADATs to an actual hard disk, you know, like it was, you know, magic, you know, and 
here we are about 20 something years later and we're talking on our computers like the jetsons like mm. oh, yeah. the thought that this you know this was just some sort of this this was total sci-fi right now this this is definitely sci-fi yeah i think we're um, probably only about three years away from actually having simultaneous conversation with full fidelity i think we're we're getting so close now you know because still we have that little lag, you know, where, you know, you're going to take a breath and I'm still talking, you know, there's still just that little bit, but I think they're going to bridge that gap soon. Man, flying cars, flying cars is what I'm looking for. <laughs> I can imagine a full on Jetsons, oh. just the flying. Oh, Who'd have thought an old cartoon would change like, and even Star Trek would change how Star we Trek. think, right? You know, the thing Star Trek, which are sorry, you were watching what? I, just before dialing you up here, uh, my daughter and I were just watching Next Generation there. So, so she's 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 eight years old and absolutely <laughs> um, um, thinks Jean Luc Picard is the coolest man on the planet. Which I'm fine with. He's he's a good one. So. Someone, someone, I read somewhere that Star Trek got most of it right, except for tablets. They didn't understand. You know, if you look at the 1960s Star Trek. Everything was buttons. They had buttons because they never perceived that they could touch a screen, move their finger around, and 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 and, and good, good ta- talk like that. You know, like where we can communicate that way. And then here we, you know, it's. A, but I think next generation too is like there's other things like the holodeck. Like these are things that are we're all touching on virtual reality. Um, like you can buy it for your phone and put it on your head and and look at the world around you. I mean, we're taking baby steps, you know, but you know, we're, we're at a spot now. I think hardware wise, we're, we're okay, but software starting to now pump it up a little bit. Like there was that time when software was like in the sort of, I guess the late eight, late nineties where you're like, God, I just, the hardware is just not catching up. And then the hardware just completely took over. And then now I think software is coming back. So there. We were cl- we were cleaning out. Um, sorry about all the phones going off here. Um, um, we were. I'm sorry. My, fo- my the, the house is is it's lighting like, up. With it's like a Pink Floyd album over there. <laughs> um, the. Um, I can't think. It's either that or an episode of Lost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the phone. This phone tells us who's calling, which is kind of fun. Well, I better beep that out then. People will be writing it down and calling that person, whoever's calling you. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's my brother. Okay. Um, But um, yeah, uh, man, the Jetsons. I'm, I'm. I, now I can't get the now I can't get flying cars out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. I mean, you know what's slowing it down? You know how long it took to get an actual real electric car? You know, you know it took it took a long time. You know, so maybe you know some other industry is like, no, 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 no. We need these roads. You know, we've put a lot of money into these roads. It just seems like if if, if the flying car really happened, how would it, how would it work? Like how, not not the 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 function of it, not like it getting up in the air. Cause I'm sure that that's going to be easy enough to, to, or at least doable, but 
how do you regulate it? Like, how do you, like, where are the traffic signs? Like, where do you, like, you know, you're, cause you're up there, you're going to clearly just cut across, like beeline it for, yeah for, you know, I'm okay. I'm going to long McQuaid right now on Blue <laughs> street and I'm just like taking the most direct route. Right. So what happens to all these other people that are beelining it for the same spot? And I was like, how would that work? It, it would have to be like every everybody would have to be all joined together. It's like air traffic today. If you're flying west, you're at this latitude, this height altitude. I mean, and if you're if you're traveling east, you're at the other altitude. It'll be that, but multiply it by 365 degrees. So if you're flying okay. along the quad, you got to go at 2,000 feet, and then you have to stay there. If you don't, then there's people. If you go one degree up or down, that's it. You're going to be hitting other cars. <laughs> I mean, you. You've thought this through, man. Oh, man, I know. I just, on top of my head, I've had four coffees and I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Any other questions? It's like Nostradamus over here. <laughs> yeah, I, I can come up with a few. Yeah, yeah. So your new, your, well, it's not your new studio anymore, but I remember you were, uh, you were, you were showing some pictures of it. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, do you, you know, like, when do you try to keep up with technology when it comes to, like, this is the perfect compressor to get for this. You have to get this. If you don't, like, do you chase that dragon? Uh, I don't, I, I think I honestly have to say, I probably don't, uh, not so much a- anymore. I think at one point, maybe, I think um, when I got involved with making a recording studio called Revolution Recording, um, there's just so much gear over there. And so, like, we, we really went all out with it. We, um, this was a, a, aside from the math, like there's two separate studios. I have my mastering studio, but then a few years ago, I, I teamed up with, uh, with three other guys and we, and we created this, um, this recording studio that, you know, we really just wanted it to be next level. And, uh, and so in doing so, um, I think I just, got gear overload. I mean, cause we have the Fairchilds, we have all the Avalon stuff, all the Poltex, all the, anything. I mean, pretty, pretty much anything that's out there by compressors and anything that's out there, we sort of have it. And so I think I, it's pretty funny cause now my mastering setup is so sparse. And I, I, I'm using less and less of stuff, you know, I guess it's, and, and truthfully it for them in the mastering world, since I've started doing it and since, you know, I've sort of taking the less is more approach, people are coming back and saying, wow, like that's, that, that just feels better. or sounds better. You know, like, what'd you do? And I was like, well, nothing <laughs> or virtually nothing, you know, so, or very, very little. And so I, you know, there's, there's something about mastering that I'm finally, I think I'm finally cluing into that kind of, the less is more is, 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 I mean, it's such a cliche, but, but it, it's so true. Um, so it's sometimes you have to go, you know, sometimes I have to put on a couple of compressors and, you know, and it, but it depends on, it depends on the client mm-hmm. too. Like they, they want that kind of thing. And, um, but I, I, I haven't, I'm having really good luck with, with um the shadow hills compressor which i have and um and the airfield eliminator those two together tend to and most of the times to be truthful there's not the compression isn't even engaging it's mm-hmm. it's just running through it for 
color the different yeah yeah exactly for different sets of transformers that are on each, that are on each of those because you can sort of you can switch between different transformers on 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 both those compressors and so it's uh yeah it is just it's just it's eq as it's a little bit of eq going through those boxes mm-hmm. so yeah so i i so I think, yeah, let's, let's answer your, your question way back about, about gear and compressors. Yeah, it's just kind of less is, is more appealing to me right now. Now, what about loudness over clarity? What's your, because there's that, that big loudness war and people are getting all up in arms. The Brits mostly, those Brits. Yeah, it's, it's definitely outrageous, you know, but what are you going to do? What can, what can you do? The other day I, I caught myself. Uh, I was listening to something. I had something on a, on a playlist and a record like earth, wind and fire all of a sudden came on, came on. That was the song. And it was, you know, that record was mastered in 1978 or 80 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so it was about eight, eight or 10 dB lower in volume. And I, and instantly my ear just went, Oh, what's, what's wrong? Something's wrong. And those are like the words, like what's wrong with this. And that's what everybody hears. If it's not as loud as the previous song that they just finished listening to on their playlist there's something wrong with the song meanwhile it certainly is probably sounding better at a lower volume that 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 track that would be lower volume is is probably full fidelity it just it sounds gorgeous but but that's the trick that's what we're all tricked into into we need to kind of we've gotten so used to things being so loud that we're, we feel that everything has to be that loud. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I, was, I thought I was beyond that. You know what I mean? You know, you're sitting there being here, being an, an, an engineer and trying to be a bit of an audiophile or, or whatever it is that we are. And, and I was, I just got fooled and pulled right into that game of like, you know, well, this is, this needs to be louder. This track needs to be louder. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, it's, so I have to like I have to play that game all the time, mm-hmm. and you know I there's ways to do it. I, I feel that we can do get stuff really really quite loud and and um, and not uh, and not sound like it's really being pummeled or just fully oversaturated or compressed or whatever it might be or over limited. Um, but you know that's just those the the game now that you got to. You got to play in mastering, and ultimately, it's usually just taking stuff over zero, and you know, opening and fixing all the little bits that are that start distorting. And it's so it's a process. It's it's a crazy process, but but um, but doable. Mm-hmm. It, it would be, you know, what? ideally, what I would love three dB lower. Everything, if every, because I could deal with three dB in a really good way, but that last two to three dB. It's just like, oh, you know, you're just, you're kind of, it hurts to get it up there. It's like, it's doable, but it's just, there's just ever so a slight bit of compromise with it. Yeah. Far less compromise than maybe two, three, four years ago, but, um, but nevertheless, still a tiny bit of compromise. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Yeah. I, sorry, I I cut you off there, but uh, I think that, um, I think because we all wear kind of crappy earbuds and we have iPods that have kind of crappy bit rates that it's just easier to make that louder than it is to make the gear that plays it sound better. <laughs> you know, it, you know, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. 
that, you know, that's my thoughts on that. And I think, you know, it's such a, it must hurt. Like you have literally millions of dollars worth of gear to make albums sound like million dollar albums to be played through hundred dollar devices. It's a weird, you know, is that, would that be a dichotomy? That could be considered a dichotomy. Yes. <laughs> I'm not that smart. I made up a word. Well, <laughs> I, I made up a thought. Um, no, but I, I truly think that there's some sort of like, you know, there's the thing now where it's like, this is mastered for iTunes. It's like, wow. So it's got more low end. Is that, <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> what, what is mastered for iTunes? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the good thing about, master for itunes is that it truly does sort of allow us to to give um to hand in a master which is at a higher resolution mm-hmm. it, in in my case i master for itunes i i typically hand, hand in 24-bit 96k masters as opposed to the cd uh audio which is at 16-bit 44.1 kilohertz mm-hmm. and so um so on that level, it kind of there's there's you know definitely the the high res master does does feel and sound better, um, but then in iTunes, then they got to take and bring that into their M4As or into their version of the MP3, which again, I mean, they're it's not like it's a horrible sounding MP3 that they're creating, but but it's it's a shame that even though but all this is 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 changing very soon. I mean, you, you are going to be able to have the, the high res versions on there as well too. But, um, but that was kind of the, the bonus was that we were able to su- submit a high resolution master and that to boot a lot. And in doing so, it is kind of cool what, what iTunes um, um, stipulates and that we have to sort of bring the volume down about a DB which is great because then there is actually an, an, an extra DB's worth of headroom and, and um, you know, just, it, it's just going to feel a little better and it's at a higher res- resolution. So, so it's, it's a, it is a good thing. And I, I thought it was a bit of a, a bit of a scam at first, but, but when I do hear it, there, there is a difference and it does sound better. Sure. Yeah, I got a Ben Folds five, the last album that came out and it was master for iTunes and it did sound better, you know, when played through my phone, you know, so it's, I just didn't know what it, what it meant. You know, I, I'm like, cause to me it's like, Oh, it's, there's more low end and it seems more scooped in the middle maybe. And, and that's just a, that's just a broad, I have nothing to really reference against it. And plus it's coming over Bluetooth. So like, I mean, like <laughs> we're talk about the Jetsons. We're living in the future, man. It's going through the air into my car. <laughs> I I love this. Thing. I really do. I'm, uh, you know, I'm getting up there. I'm in my early fifties now, but man, I'm I'm loving loving where technology is taking us. It's awesome. All the plugs that go on now, just amazing. Like absolutely amazing. All the stuff I use, like the, the isotope stuff and the the ozone stuff, is just wicked beyond belief. Yeah, Dude, you can re- really great tools that you can really use in a musical kind of way not just in some weird clinical kind of way it's just yeah it feels like things have evolved in, in a in a really good way have you dabbled with the mic dsp stuff at all 
Um, I I used to use McDSP like way back, but um, but not recently. Worst it name was, for a plugin. Worst name. Yeah, but it's been out there forever. I, yeah. I think it's been out there for fifteen or twenty years. I yeah. Think. Um, I used to have that stuff back at Umbrella, way back then. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but not not so much recently. Only only reason is I kind of get caught in a in a way of working and and i I feel like i don't always want to be changing you know unless i'm kind of ready for like a a change so i kind of go in in this these lump sums of time you know i kind of work like this for a bit and then kind of switch it up a little bit and so it takes me takes me a while i'm an old guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean when you said technology and you know i'm in my late 40s as well and if I had not made the effort in the early 2000s to get digital, who knows what I'd be doing. I probably would be a janitor somewhere, you know, because people got left behind, you know, especially, I mean, I don't know, you know, much about like when it, like lighting guys, when the, when the, they, they call them the go board, it's you hit a, a button and everything does the lights for you rather than like having two scenes. When those guys didn't know how to use that, they're out of work, you know, and I felt the same parallel with, with digital recordings and with how it all worked out and you know and when i came up sort of in the mid 90s everything got a lot cheaper you know uh, so they had adats which were relatively cheap but now i'm you know i got pro tools i got three versions of it you know and and i use um I use an m32r midas and i love this board love it it works yeah. it works every time i've heard great things about it and the, the Midas stuff was always always awesome I mean that was a live console mostly right yeah but, that, is, yeah it has 32 yeah. uh 32 by 32 card that you can put in it that comes does uh although it's 48k it's not it's not like high resolution but they say it could do 96k but it'll be half your tracks input so you do eight what is it 16 inputs or something like that uh, but you can have more voices, you know, if, if you're using it. But you could record 16 tracks at a time. I think once it does go 96k. But in all honesty, man, like I, I didn't really go too far above. You know, I can do 32 bit float, and I do 48k. And I, I, I'm one of those people too where, if I knew the better stuff, I probably would be very upset with what I have. So I'm okay with what I got. Yeah, it, it's it's tough, and it, it ultimately it just comes down to your ears and and how you envision something. You know, I've I've heard guys, and I was working with Eddie Kramer a couple of days ago, and he did this this whole thing on, and he, it came in, and it was I think they they had a compromised format, and he was saying because I, I it started in L.A. somehow, and. Um, Anyways, but Eddie Kramer is is the genius that he is. I mean, mm-hmm. he recorded everybody, you know, like in, in Jimi Hendrix's whole you know catalog, and you know, he's he's a godlike figure, and he made really um, bad digital audio sound like a million bucks. Like it sounded incredible, um, and then. On the flip side, somebody could come in and they've just they've just recorded everything at on DSD or done some crazy super audiophile recording and it no heart and soul and it doesn't sound very good, you know. So it's um, it's just it's all in the 
in the ear of the beholder, I guess. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, if you've got the vision and you've got the ears, you can make midline gear sound awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, <clears throat> I really, I, I think that's true too. I think as an engineer, I've been an engineer my whole life, but I, I'm, I always enjoy the fact that, Hey, I learned something doing this and I've been doing it for 20 odd years too, you know? And you go, Oh wow, that's a neat trick. I just taught myself or something so subtle. And as, as you get more into the, the, the time of doing it, the little things are the important things that make in your toolkit of, of uses and of, of techniques that become like stuff that's hard to explain to other people. That's the stuff that I, I enjoy learning, you know, and, I don't really read books. Did you ever read books like in like Mix Magazine and you ever do that stuff? I, I th- in the beginning, I think I did a little bit because it, it, but it was more for the pictures and stuff. You yeah. know what I mean, you know, like he kind of got inspired to like studio guy, you know, so, oh my God, look at that console or look at that gear or those mics or so it was, it was really, I, I think it was to sort of just to get all excited about yeah. gear and stuff. Remember Lurch? Um, but, Mem- remember Lurch? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we were in the same building for a while on Carla and uh, he had a stack of mechs magazines out in, in his hallway. And what we used to do is we used to play urban golf in the hallways. So we'd have two putters and a golf and a couple of golf balls and we'd putt around the hallways until we got into my studio and there'd be the hole and it'd be like a par 30 or something. But as we're going by, there's like a stack of mix magazines out in front of Lurch's studio, I guess, ready for the garbage. Or we took them all and put them in our, my studio. And it was oh, just okay. funny to look at because there's like people with mullets. Like these are old ones too. It's like finding a stack oh. of Playboy magazines or something, you know, like, whoa, look at that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you talked to Lurch lately? I, 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 he's disappeared. I don't know where he is anymore. He's down in the States. Um, he is, or at least last I heard, yeah. he, I, he Facebooked me, um, but it was a couple of years ago, I yeah. think. Now. But yeah, he's been, he's been down there for a while. But he's still doing that BB King thing. Like, cause apparently he was going down to like master or do something or re to digitize or some old, oh, old, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sounding familiar. Oh. That was part of it. Um, yeah, truthfully, I'm not really 100% certain on what, what yeah. he's up to, but but it seemed like he was happy. It seemed like he was doing stuff and, yeah. and busy. And, yeah, it was, it was nice to connect with him. Yeah. It was just really good on Facebook. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so you work in, do you work a lot now that you're getting older? Do you like, how do you, how do you make your schedule? Do you, do you give yourself time off? Well, I, I really, I've tried to take weekends off, but it doesn't really kind of <laughs> doesn't really work. I t- I'm still probably in the studio a day out of the weekend, so I'm I'm probably averaging five to six days a week, and they're usually they're pretty long hours. But it, but I, I really like my day right now. To be truthful, it it uh, you know things have been have been good good lately. Um, I my I dropped my daughter off at school, then you know hang out with the parents for a little bit, go have a coffee. Cause it's just going to master at eight 30 in the morning. It's just, that's just not right. It's just like, that's just way too early to be doing anything. <laughs> and so I, you know, I generally show up, you know, 10 ish, 10 or 11 to the studio. And then, and then just, you know, just dig in probably work till six, seven, maybe. 
on a, on a normal day, sometimes a little bit sooner or a little earlier. Sometimes, sometimes it's two. <laughs> I mean, there's some days where it's just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but, but it's, I, I think the, the great thing is that it doesn't feel at all like a chore ever, ever, ever. So it's so great. The, the, it's like 10 hours just passed by and you, you could have sworn to just pass by, you know, so it never feels like the, the clock is, you're, you're just watching the clock tick or, or anything. Like mm-hmm. that. It's I think that's what separates, always, that separates you from me because I did it every day for like five years. I had my own space downtown and uh, <clears throat> by the fifth year, I was like, okay, all right, I need some perspective. <laughs> and maybe it was the caliber of bands. Maybe I just wasn't, you know, getting up to that part where bands had money or they had like a label to back them or something. You know, maybe I just got to that point where it's like, yeah, I'm just sick of bands owing me money all the time. That's, like, that's the way it was. I felt like I was the bank, you know, like I, I never charged interest, but I felt if I did, you know, I'd be doing all right if I did. You need, you need to, everybody needs a Brian Lowe. Uh, uh, Brian Lowe is my um, best friend probably and, and my studio manager. Um, he is the most awesome guy, super talented too, great mastering engineer, everything. He, Brian can do everything. And, um, but you need Brian on your, everybody needs a Brian Lowe because he's great. He's so, you know, people love talking to him. He gets the 50% de- deposit right off the bat. He makes think he, gets everybody happy and cozy and settled into the session or whatever it might be. And then, and then, uh, he's just like, he makes it so easy for me. So I have to thank Brian Lowe <laughs> <laughs> for your longevity. I'm going to have him listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think you should get a raise. <laughs> <laughs> I I have just I have a story from a band that I recorded and we set a price and I'm like okay so it's going to be this much money and it's going to be this many days and so we did that and you know I'm kind of naive and I'm trusting them like don't worry we got the money everything's great I'm like great okay we um we do like seven days of recording for for a guy like me back you know 15 20 years this is like this is like hey this is real money and um so they came in the last day with factor forms. I said, just sign here, sign there. I'm like, wait a minute. I know where this is going. You don't have any money, don't you? Like, no, no, but we, you know, this is a sure thing. This is going to be factor. We're getting factor. I chased that band down for years to get my money. I chased them down. And uh, I, I have so many stories like that where people will be like, yeah, yeah, we're good. You know, and he's a trusting person in me. But I started doing a thing and I did it with a band called the Inner City Surfers. And I said, just give me 200 bucks a month. Record as many days as you want, and then just give me money every month. Give me checks, and I'll, it's like you're paying rent. And it's only a certain amount of bands I could trust to do that. But they'd rack up a nice big bill, and then they would pay me on a monthly amount, you know. And that was, it felt good. It felt like a real job at that point, you know. Interesting. That's that's actually not a bad way to do it. Yeah, because you're not worried I mean, about money. Like yeah, I guess on some level we've done stuff like that too. I mean, at times. You know, I think if somebody wants to master with me, I'm such a sucker. Like, but if somebody really wants to master with me, you just figure out a way. You know, there's I've put people on, you know, like a yearly plan here. It's like paid off over a year, just me, you know, a, a bit each month. And we've just done the craziest things. But I, I think it's just because when somebody kind of, it's like a puppy dog looking up at you with, with those eyes, you know, it's just like, 
these people really want to master here. I was like, okay, we'll, we'll just figure it out. I'll pay you. I'll pay you to master it so that you can, so I can master your record. And I was like, I'm such a sucker. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's, man, I, I'm just lucky. I really love what I do and, and most of the people pay. So it's, it's okay. And yeah. Yeah, I remember there's, uh, you know, there's stories where, you know, you're chasing people down and, you know, I did a deal with a band where the one guy worked in the video industry and he was a video, he ran, he had his own camera and he, I said, you do a video for my band, I'll record your band and this will be a fair, no money exchanged, you know. And uh, I recorded their, their record, but they never made a video and, I, and he never made this video that he promised. You know, we've taped it and everything, you know, like, and... um so the funniest thing I saw him on like uh, Dupont or somewhere, and I pulled over my car and I'm like, "Hey, you, where's my video?" And you know what he said to me? And I know what he's he knew he's bullshit. I knew he's kind of bullshit me, but I even know more now that he's bullshit me. He goes, "I'm just rendering. I'm just rendering it." I'm like, "Oh, okay. When's it going to be rendered?" <laughs> And he's like, "Oh, soon. Don't worry about it." And I never, I never. I mean, I think I went by a month later to his house. I said, "Just, just give me my three hundred dollars." Let's let's go there tomorrow afternoon and visit him. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bring Brian with me. I'll bring Brian though with me. I've he's never had a guy like that. I tried to have a guy like that. Then he started telling me how bad of a job I was doing half the time. You know, and I'm like, "Hey, you're supposed to be finding me work." You know, don't tell me how bad of a businessman I am. Like, just you know, <laughs> give my keys back. <laughs> yeah yeah man well i mean we've you know it's funny you know you, you've you've been you've been doing this for so many years and you meet so many interesting people and i kind of like that fact you know i have a lot of stories and i'm sure you got tons of stories too and you try not to to sort of incriminate anybody and there's there's a statute of limitations of how many people have sort of screwed us over but uh names that can be named but um you know mm-hmm. we you know we as an industry we we like the fact there's people like you there because you're the ones that have ethics and you know there's 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 lots to show there and a big body of work that's still doing it you know and fun to talk to and you know and you said so many encouraging things to me when i brought my second record in with you you know you're like this is great and i'm like how would a guy who records or mixes masters every day how would a guy know the old stuff to the new stuff and you know it was it was it was good, you know, and that's what people come back for. They come back for that human touch, you know, the human element of it. So, you know, thanks for doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it, feels, it feels pretty legit. I mean, of course, I could just be saying that, but I really do love what I what I do, you know. And even if it's a band that comes in and you're kind of going, mm, you know what, I'm going to work on this, but I'm probably never going to hear this again. Mm-hmm. And and you, but you're still like you sort of see you're going like, man, they're trying to, they're really trying to make this their best, you know? And so like, so that's the challenge right there. It's like, okay, how can I make them really be as happy as possible with this product? You know, that, mm-hmm. that right now is a little challenged, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's, it, it's never a chore. It's just, it's kind of wild. I feel, so I know a lot of guys that it is a chore, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're doing this. Too. They're not loving what they're doing. Yeah. So I, I, pretty blessed for sure there must be a god God. (laughs) well the key is to find good in anything you know and that's sort of finding good in art is is an interesting way to look at music you know whether it's not your music or music that you grew up with 
it's still music and someone put their, you know, sweat and guts into it and are singing about things that they want to sing about, you know. I, I always thought, you know, it's the approach, it's not the content, you know, like if someone comes to me and they're really, really trying to be, you know, the best band they can possibly be, I will do backflip for this band. You know, and then if there's bands that you can tell they're kind of like, well, we got it. We, you know, they're just, just riding on a wave of just like how awesome they are. You know, I tend to not really try as hard. You know, it's interesting. You know? Yeah. Every, every record does sort of have its, its aura, you know, and like sort of how, what, what's, you know, like the way it works and you sort of find, find a way to work into that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and then have some fun with it. Yeah, it's 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 usually it can usually be fun for me. <laughs> well, it was good talking to you. Um, you know, good good luck with everything. I uh, I hope we uh, maybe work together some other day. It's so funny. I'm I'm way out in the country now, so uh, I don't go to the city no more. Where? You, yeah, where are you? Where Where did you move to? I'm in Uxbridge. So I'm not really in the country. I'm quasi-country, yeah, yeah, but uh, I'm an hour and a half out of the city now. We moved out here uh, from East York, and uh, life's good out here. So we're in half acre of land, and my studio's in a barn. So uh, I know, I know who you spoke to when you were uh, checking out the uh, the Hell's Angels in that gay bar you were talking about. It was Wayne Ferguson? Yeah, I think that was his name. Him. That's so funny. Yeah, to me because he's the guy. He showed me the same stuff when I when I was going to buy my my mastering studio building. He's the guy who sold it to me actually, and he took me to that very building. So it just I don't know why Wayne's name just popped in my head, but I think it's because you were talking about what, moving and to East York and then that's God's Bridge. And it's like yeah, real estate pops into mind. It's like Wayne Ferguson. Why I remember that building? not being very expensive too. I remember it being under three hundred thousand dollars. That whole oh. building. Could you imagine, like, what that's turned into? You know, like, if you would have bought it for three hundred grand. Yeah, I think that was steep for us too. We're like, whoa, I don't know. It seems like a lot of money. There's no grass. You know, we were going to have kids and stuff. It wouldn't have been a very good fit for us. But it would have been a great studio. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for talking. And uh, I'm going to hit stop. Well, uh, so there's a web. Do you have a website? You have a website. You must have a website. Yes, yeah, we, we definitely have a website and all the social media stuff that goes on. Um, but uh, it's www.joacarvalomastering.com. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's, you have to see some, some pictures and all that stuff that you see on websites. It's on computers now, <laughs> that WebNet. Go to websites anymore? I don't know. I mean, are websites still fashionable? I'm not sure. I think they're coming back. I really do. I think everybody got all on Facebook pages and made their Facebook like my studio on Facebook. But I truly think that people now, the old school, like I need a website to look at. I need some content to look at that's just distinctively theirs, you know. And I, I that's what I believe. People probably think, "Hey, cool it, old man. Well, I'm going to Facebook." <laughs> It's kind of neat. I, I'm I'm just surprised. I don't know how it works, but you get Google reviews now. Like you know, I, you know, you mm-hmm. look at stuff and it's like, wow, people are actually. I didn't know people. You know, I guess people do that stuff. But but I, it's just funny. I was just looking our, our site up uh, earlier today, and we had all these Google reviews. Like wow, what are people saying it was just it was weird to 
it was awesome. It was yeah. really nice. But how many stars but, did you have? Were you a five star? We're a five star. Yeah, go. we got we got five stars going all the way. It it's the bad ones. You kind of like who was that guy? Who is that guy? That's not his real name. It's not a real name. <laughs> go 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 there and like just. just Give us a really bad review. I'd just be curious to see what you know. What it should effects. be it should be a really bad review, but five stars. So, <laughs> so it's like yeah. he punched me in the face. Uh, he threatened to kill my family, and uh, said it was part of the hell. <laughs> but the record's amazing. Five stars. <laughs> well, cool, Joe. Um, yeah, good luck. Thank you for talking to me. It's it's getting late, and uh, I'll. Yeah, we we need to catch up um, on a, uh, for a beer one day. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. Maybe, well, you know, Christmas is coming up, you know. Christmas is. Yes. <laughs> Christmas in, in eight months. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I book you in there for maybe the 24th or something. Maybe. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. okay, man. Take it easy. Okay. Bye. You too. Thanks, man. Bye. That was Joa Caravello. Yuval. 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 Carvello. Now we know how to say his name. Everybody, you know, he knows a lot of people, and a lot of people know him. And everybody calls him Joe. So that was his name. We found it out. That was the big scoop of the uh, <laughs> of the interview. He's a great guy. Well, fun guy to talk to. Um, anytime, Joe, come back on the show. I'd love to have you back on the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this show. Thank you so much for going to Apologue.ca slash Amazon to shop on Amazon. Don't forget to tell don't and thank you for telling friend. Thank you for letting everybody know. I'm getting there's some pretty high numbers in downloads, and the only thing I can attribute it to is that someone has subscribed and is getting all 131 episodes in one go. So they're downloading everything, you know, because there's some crazy numbers. Like one day I got like 200 downloads. Like one day I was like, what? Why? How? What's going on here? So the numbers are really perking up. So it all comes down to you folks that listen to the show. Thank you so much for doing that. Okay. Thanks for going to patreon.com slash Don't forget to go there. Maybe give it a little pledge and help the show out that way. Uh, you're helping it out by going to Amazon already. And um, thanks for purchasing t-shirts and thanks for telling friends. I, I can't, I, you know what? I can't even, I can't even, you know, get a thought. Let's put a secret word in. Secret word is Midas M32R because that's my new board. I got Midas M32R, everybody, and I'll send you a digital download of the Foursquare discography. Whoever gets it first, okay? Thanks, everybody. See you next week, okay? I don't know who's going to be because I haven't actually, I haven't, I've got to find some people to interview. Um, I, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye.